So uh, we're we're gonna start off with some promotion talk. Are you uh, are you promoting us, Adam? No, this is about your promotion. You know this. We talked about this. What what am what am I promoting? Oh, your promotion. Oh, oh yeah, you know, like you got promoted. Yeah, I do new things. What can I say? Um, That's what I meant by. Do you want to talk about this? Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess. We can uh, we can just say that uh, I got a new gig. I'm at the same place of work, and I got a new gig. I do new things, so that's exciting. I guess. I mean, I don't really know what else I can say about it other than to say like I worked hard for this, and uh, now now I get to try my hand at uh, something new, and uh, I'm excited about it. So uh, you know, it, it gives me. I like promotions in the sense that like it gives you something else to work on and something else to master. So I don't know. I'm excited. Yeah. I just wanted to kind of bring it up so people can give you a, a virtual pat on the back saying, good job, Lou. Keep up the good work. And yeah, like you said, it's something new, something fun. Uh, kind of pushes the the boundaries of, you know, your responsibilities and get to do something kind of different for a change. And that's always nice. So. I just wanted to, you know, bring that up and say congratulations, Lou. Give you the pat on the back, and then say get back to work. Oh, thank you, thank you for that. Um, so yeah, I, one of the rare moments that I'm nice to you. Uh, yeah, it's it's it is rare. Let's be honest. I honestly think it's just like when we turn on the mic, it's like okay, now now I'm going to be mean. But most of the time, like I'm not that mean to you, though. Yeah, you're not too bad. It's okay. Uh, so my my movie. From uh, from April, I guess. Uh, so I did watch it. Um, like I don't know. I actually watched it. I think in time for last week's episode, but I just I, I guess we totally forgot to put it in. Uh, but yeah, I well, yeah, I, for, I totally forgot. I was in the follow up, and I was like, oh, I forgot to do the movie thing or the Simpsons Futurama thing. But that was on my mind, and then I I didn't even think of it because it was still technically April. It was April twenty eighth last time, so that we recorded. So. It was it was still April. So you still had like two days to get it done. Yeah, if you haven't noticed, I've been doing this uh, like end of the month thing. So I, I don't know. I think in the back half of the year, I need to like step it up and bring it to the front of the month and find a way to you know get movies done before the last seven days of the week or of the month. But uh, yeah, so uh, Silence of the Lambs. Um, oh. Man, I don't know. This where to where to start, man? Oh yeah, just so. Mm. So yeah, um, I don't know. It, it it wasn't my thing. Let's let's uh, let's just start there. And um, <laughs> I don't know. It was it was it really took a lot to keep my attention in this one, man. I was I was getting getting restless. <laughs> uh, so I I definitely was uh, was kind of. I don't know. It, it wasn't. It wasn't for me. It, I can see how this is for some people. The type of movie that it is. The 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 like the. I actually thought like I, I could see where the public or the mass public in general could could get excited about this this type of movie, but it just wasn't. I don't know. It wasn't for me, man. I don't know. I would give it my. Uh, this this is this for me is not is not thumbs sideways. This is thumbs down for me. You know, it won the Oscar, right? Yeah, well, the Oscars is uh, voted on by a bunch of old white men, so I don't really like the Oscars. Yeah, well, the Academy thought it was a good movie at the time, and it 
it made you uncomfortable, right? And that's the whole goal of basically this movie is to introduce a character that is thoroughly uncomfortable to like interact with, right? Or when you see him on screen, you kind of get the heebie-jeebies, but he's not like a scary villain in the sense of, you know, a traditional scary villain, right? There's, he doesn't do a lot of jump scares. He's more just, you know, he's very, I don't know. Creeper is definitely, you know, the way I would put it. Right. But what's really funny is he's not even, you know, the real villain of the entire, you know, plot, right. You still have the other guy who's equally as creepy. Right. And, uh, you know, I put this one in there because there are so many pop culture references in this movie, um, or just quotes that they take away and, or quotes that people will use from the movie. So it's, it's important to see it just to know kind of the Hannibal Lecter quotes, right? It's like, well, hello, Clarice, you know, and the whole, it puts the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again, right? Like those are classic, you know, movie quotes that tons of people, you know, to this day continue to kind of use just in pop culture. So I, I think it was a movie that you had to watch. And like I said, these weren't going to be the best movies, but these were going to be the movies that would just give you a crash course and, in pop culture. And yeah, there were going to be some that you don't like, and this is probably definitely one of them. I knew it wasn't going to be up your alley, but it's good for you to expose yourself to, to new things, Lou. So I have to ask though, what was your favorite part of the movie? Uh, I don't know, man. I think, um, I, I so this is going to sound really bad, but I was most engaged in the first part of the movie. So that first, like, I don't know, 15 or 20 minutes, I was fully pretty engaged and i so that's what i'm gonna say it's probably like my favorite quote-unquote part of the movie or whatever but like i don't know if there was like one scene that like stood out for me but um but the um the it, that's where it's like it's tough for me because like this this one in general like so i can see what you're saying about the but the pop culture references and that's where i can like i guess i can value a movie like this is because now i will get the pop culture references if somebody drops you know, a line from this one would be like, oh, okay, yeah, I know, I know what that's from. But, yeah, it's, like, it's so, it's, I don't know, it, like I said, I was restless in it and the point where I was just kind of like, all right, uh, this is dragging on or I don't, I didn't really keep my attention enough to, like, make me want to just sit on the edge of my seat and keep watching. Whereas something, um, you know, like Iron Man, it, it did a much better job of that for me. Like, I, I, I felt like there was another action scene right around the corner or something like that. And I was like, okay, cool. Like this is going to keep me at the edge of my seat. Whereas this was like, eh, it was well, and like I said, I lobbed you a bunch of softballs in the beginning too. Right. Where I was like, okay, here, you know, here's a movie that I think you'll probably be entertained by. And I did that with Iron Man. Cause I thought you for sure would at least like that as an action adventure movie. And yeah, know that there was something to keep you engaged. And then, you know, month two, it's like, all right, here's mean girls, which I know you said you like comedies. So just happened to be, you know, kind of themed around Valentine's Day. Like, those are the softballs. Like, hey, you know, now we're warming up. Batman was kind of like one of the first ones where it's like, hey, this isn't going to be as action-packed as Iron Man, but it has more depth, more things to pay attention to, and it's just a different style of movie, right? And now we continue to kind of go go down that trend where it's like, hey, same thing. This isn't going to have a bunch of action. It's going to be much more, you know, dramatized, much more focused on dialogue and plot and just how characters are interacting with each other. And how the character development kind of goes. So it's it's going to be going down that road. And this is kind of what I, I try to do. Is I try to, you know, build it like your cycle bar workouts, right? 
where you kind of start off slow and then you kind of build up to a hill and then you kind of start going downhill again, right? Just to give you a little bit of rest. And then you'll kind of build up again and then you go back down. So you'll kind of see that with the movies too. I try to at least give it a little bit of thought as to, you know, all right, building you up to something that you probably wouldn't like. Because if I would have showed you this movie, like as the first movie, you'd be like, all right, we're not going to do this anymore. This is stupid. I'm not going to play. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that would have been tough as a first movie. I'd have been like, Oh God, this year's going to be the end of the death of me. Yeah. So like I said, I, I tried to at least build it up to where we keep you engaged. And I, I know we have to get to your movie review. Uh, so I think we should do that. But I think it's important to call out that this coming month is yesterday was may the fourth be with you. Uh, so star Wars day. So you have to watch star Wars, a new hope, which is the very first Star Wars that they ever filmed. So you get to watch that. And yeah, so I have a question for you. What is the, uh, I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, the outline here for this week and it says you've made an executive decision on uh, what, sh- what movie gets cut. So I'm kind of curious what this executive decision is that, that the movie is. And my fingers are, are crossed for Lord of the Rings. Okay, so we'll get to that one in a little bit. Um, spoiler alert, it's not that one. Uh, but, so you have to watch Star Wars this coming month. I think that's important. But in terms of Silence of the Lambs, so it was a movie that you didn't like or a movie that you appreciated or a movie that you liked. I'll, I'll put it in those three terms. Okay, so I uh, I personally didn't like it. I appreciate it for the pop culture references, if that makes any sense at all. Um, I, I, yeah, thank you for the pop culture. I get it. And then I wouldn't watch this movie again. Exactly. That's a precise, <laughs> precisely where it's at. Like, I'm not going to ever sit down and watch this again ever, but at least I have some idea of what someone's talking about when they drop any of these lines. So that, that, that is, I guess, a, a net win. Also, you learn some new dance moves, right? You learn that you can, uh, tuck it between your legs and then, you know, do a nice little dance in front of the camera. Right? You remember that part? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. I remember. Yeah, there you go. You can horrify, you know, <laughs> your, you can horrify Hillary with that one. You can just go out there and start quoting that and then tuck it in and then just go out and do your little dance. Turn on the song and then, then you get to sleep on the couch. It's fantastic. <laughs> if, if, if I'm going to come clean, Lou doesn't dance. So, you know. Hillary, Hillary is probably like screaming at the podcast right now. If she were listening, like, yeah, he doesn't dance. So that's okay. That won't happen. But the, you have to, I mean, this one, it's, it wasn't much of a dance, you know, it was more just a little shimmy here and there, but you just got to show off your, uh, your front patch, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. So for me, I mean, if I'm sticking with my, my like thumb routine, I guess the thumbs down is, is, is the, the thing for me there, but that's where it's like, I don't know. It's hard because the pop culture is good, but I'm, I'm definitely not watching the movie again. So, okay. Here's, here's another question is like, why did they call the movie silence of the lambs? Uh, I don't know. Why was it? Was I supposed to know that answer? Well, if you were paying attention to the movie, I would hope you would know the, the answer to that. I guess I didn't pay attention enough. So it was all Clarice. She was she grew up on a farm, right? And there were all these these sheep that were on there, and the sheep would be you know bleeding in the morning, and then all of a sudden they wouldn't wouldn't be there anymore. It's like she wouldn't hear this happen when she was younger. So it was you know just kind of like her being innocent and not knowing what was happening to these lambs, and Hannibal Lecter kind of digging into this and you know 
showing how the silence of the lambs actually meant something, right? And it meant that the lambs were being slaughtered. And that was kind of, it, it's, it's a, a focal point in the movie and much more prevalent if you, if you watch it or paying attention to the little things. I can honestly say, like, I haven't watched the movie in a long time to dig into it, but there's a bunch of hidden, hidden innuendo in there. Okay. That's, I, I mean, I guess I, so I can see that, but it's like, yeah, I wouldn't have caught that at like first pass. I mean, maybe if I had watched the movie like a couple times or something, I, I mean, you know how you watch a movie and you see something different a little bit, you know, at different times, that's sort of it's something I probably would have caught, but like not on first pass. Definitely didn't, didn't catch up to that. And, and well, and you're not going to watch this movie, so it's not going to matter. Yep. So I, I just had the Adam cheat sheet and I'm good. There you go. Uh, so my executive decision, getting back to that, uh, yes, I, I listened to the episode with you and John and we had mentioned that, you know, I would cut a movie or we would allow you to cut a movie to make room for the hoarders episodes that you have to watch. Uh, and you were waffling back and forth on which one you wanted to cut. And then you and John were basically saying like, Oh, I I don't want to watch this one, you know? And I was like, no, no, that's when you have to watch. Nope. That's when you have to watch. So since you haven't made a choice, I, I pulled the executive decision card and said, I, I know which movie that you're cutting. And you're going to cut Snatch from the list. So you're, you're not going to watch Snatch. What genre was Snatch? Snatch is like, um, uh, how, do, how do I want to call it? It's, it's kind of like a drama comedy, but it's very focused around like crime. So it's from Guy Ritchie, and Guy Ritchie does other movies like, um, oh man, I, I can't even think of that. Lock, Stock, and Barrel. Uh, there's a couple other ones. But basically what it is, is, it's a British movie. So it's all these characters who are basically going after this one you know, item. They want to steal this one item. Or they kind of have all separate stories that all come together at one pivotal point. So it's very much a... The reason I wanted you to watch that one was to follow different stories and kind of appreciate how a bunch of different stories can be told around the same time that all focus on the same timeline but are being told separately and all interact with each other and then kind of all interweave together at one uh, focal point or one climax of the movie. Right. Uh, But I think, I don't think you'll appreciate it as much as, as I thought you would originally, especially because you haven't even appreciated, you know, like what these other movies are offering. So I'm going to cut that one and then I'll, I'll pick out the hoarders episode you have to watch. And I think that one's in June or July. I don't remember, but you still have to watch Star Wars for May, so we're good there. Okay, well, I was less concerned with Star Wars. Lord of the Rings was definitely my leaning. No, man, you got to sit there and watch three. I, I, we haven't even said if it's going to be the extended edition or not, uh, but you're going to have to w- sit through three hour, three plus hours of walking. It's going to be great. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> uh, it's the best movie ever. But yeah, in, in between those three hours, there's, you know, like a good two or three minute, you know, sound bites that you have to pay attention to, to get the, the pop culture references. So. All right. All right. So, uh, snatch is gone. So in the little bit of follow-up, we also, uh, you threw in here that we, uh, we didn't talk about, uh, VPNs at all last week when we were talking, uh, all of the encryption, right. Or the 50,000 foot encryption. So I guess I should ask, do you use a VPN? I use VPN to my home connection and go out from there which let's say isn't the most secure way to encrypt all of my traffic, but it at least encrypts it when I'm out in public. So I trust my ISP more than I trust, you know, Starbucks Wi-Fi. I'm not calling out Starbucks Wi-Fi, but just any public Wi-Fi. So 
I, I have a Mac mini here that runs a VPN server and I'll just VPN and tunnel through that. So I, I think it's funny because I, I want to step back and just say like, when we talked about encryption, I know you mentioned a couple of times, like encrypted in transit and encrypted at rest, right? So when we were talking about this, we, we focused heavily on the, the privacy aspect and the data aspect, which was just kind of like your data, you know, what you're doing, what you have physically. Uh, or what you have stored on your computer, but we didn't really talk about like anything in transit. And we kind of touched on it a little bit with with mail and talking about SSL, but uh, we didn't we didn't touch on like the VPN aspect. So yeah, VPN basically encry- encrypting all of your traffic, so no one around you can basically snoop in on what you're doing. So I think that was important just to kind of call out as hey, we didn't forget about VPNs. We still know that they're very important in this the whole encryption scheme because that is essentially encrypting all of your your transactions, right? Or all everything that you are sending out or receiving um, from another place. So I think it's important to just kind of toss that out there. Like we didn't forget. Uh, and we'll talk about it more when we do part two. Got it. Uh, did you, do you ever find uh, VPNs are blocked on uh, public connections? And if so, do you just not use them? It, if I you know, sign in and then I try to turn on the VPN and then it doesn't work. I'll be like, okay, well, I guess that's not happening. And I'll disconnect and use LTE over VPN. It's whatever. But there's not much that I really need to do. Like usually the places that I go, the the Wi-Fi that I go to, I, I kind of stick to reliable. And when I was, you know, traveling, the funny thing there is like you're on airport Wi-Fi. Yeah. Good luck trying to turn on VPN there. Like that was, uh, that was like hit or miss no matter where we were. Like some airports are like, this is this is fine, no problem. Other airports are like, no, that's that's not going to fly. Oh, come on, just open up those ports. Like no one cares. No one's trying to hack anything over those ports. Just open the ports. And I guess I could use like an SSL VPN. Like I could just set up, you know, just a regular old vanilla SSL VPN. But meh, that's more work. And when I just want to, you know, like check my email, it could wait. It can wait till I get home. Got it. Um, have you ever paid for one? No. Never. Frugal Adam. Frugal Adam. Dude, if I can roll it on my own, like, yeah, I'm not going to pay for it. And granted, like I said, this is also going through my ISP, so fuck knows, like, what kind of things that they're looking at through my connection. But I, I trust them more than I trust, you know, the the crazy people around me. Like, if I ever went to a convention, right, you know, like, people talk about going to, like, hacker conventions and stuff like that. It's like, God, like, just never, ever, 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 ever connect to a public Wi-Fi at a hacker convention because you're just asking for it. Um, but yeah, I just if I don't trust the people around me, I'll use VPN. But I don't need it to be like super secure and mask where I'm from. Like it can still say I'm from the U.S. Like that's fine. I don't care. All I want is to make sure that people around me can't sniff the traffic. Got it. And are you running this through a Docker container or some other setup? That's on my to do list is to to roll it into a Docker container. Um, right now, cool. it's just when you uh, set that up, send me that Docker container. Yeah, I'll send you the the, the YAML configuration file. <laughs> So you can deploy it on your own. Hey man, you know, you know, I'm, you know, one thing I'm really good at, you know, directing others to uh, give me those things. <laughs> What's funny is like you're directing me to do it. I already, I told you it was on my list. Like, oh hey, can you just CC me that uh, on that when you're done? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly when when you're done. Do you mind just copying that and just sending it right over? <laughs> I don't have to worry about that. That's a work smarter, not harder thing, right? Like, let someone else bang their head against the wall a little bit. It's the same thing with the logic template, man. That's why I was so mad when you know you sent me that thing, because I was like, no, no, I set up the template. I set up everything. 
There was a reason I spent all this time on this template and gave you the template. Yeah. Yeah, and then I just give you something else to do. <laughs> I know, right? You just keep adding to my my personal development category and things. Oh, just just wait till you're running uh, OmniFocus 3 and I can berate you with just the sending you shared tasks. I'm not going to accept any shared tasks from you in OmniFocus 3. I mean, maybe one or two, but if you start sending me stuff, because I think you have to accept it, right? Weren't you, weren't you telling me that? It's like, I have to actually say like, yes. Yeah, no. I'm pretty sure it's accepted. It's like a, a handshake thing between the two databases. It's a permission, and I'm just going to slap your hand away like, no, that is that is not happening. <laughs> Docker container for this, Docker container for that. <laughs> declined, declined, declined. Rewrite website for this, do this. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, too funny, too funny. Uh, so this week we're going to dive into uh, email a little bit. And um, man, this is this is going to this is going to be interesting. I'm actually a little uh, a little excited about this one because I think <laughs> it could go a lot of ways really fast. But um, so email, Adam, uh, give me the like quick and dirty on uh, your email setup. Like how many email addresses are we talking about? How many do you primarily use? What's, what's your setup look like? So as far as I go, I only have, uh, what is it, three emails that I check regularly. And those, those aren't the only email addresses I have, but the only ones that I check are those three. Now, I have a bunch of email addresses that are kind of like junk ones that I use just to kind of filter through email. And I have only forward me select things. So I have a bunch of those, but I only check th- actively check three accounts. Okay, so three accounts. So I, uh, I guess if we're gonna say actively check, I have four accounts on my um, phone that I that I can check. But I I have my email in pretty good lockdown, so there's not a whole lot coming in. But um, so I, I kind of have a, a little funny story. I should probably get this off my chest early because uh, you're gonna you're gonna laugh at this. But um, for a long time, I had. Uh, you know, a Gmail account and um, the Gmail account was not my preferred uh, account in the, in the way that it wasn't consistent with all my, I guess you could say my branding. Uh, most of my stuff is just my first name and my last name. So it's, if it's anything personal. And, um, and so what, uh, what this Gmail account was, was it, it wasn't that it, it was different. And so I was really, really annoyed that, Gmail said that somebody had my first name and my last name, which I guess for most people probably is like a given that, hey, you know, their their first and last name is taken. But for me, it, it's pretty rare. So um, I, I wasn't happy. And I um, I don't know, for like a year, I kept checking and just it, it said, no, no, it's taken. It's taken. And so I got really mad one day and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go reset the password to this this account that that, you know, first and last name at gmail.com. And I was like, reset password. Okay, cool. Type in, you know, the account you want to reset the password for. Click here. Okay, we've sent a email to this other email to reset your password. Fuck, that's my account. I own that account. That's a different email account I own. So I had this email account the entire time and I didn't know I had my own name at gmail.com. Ah. <laughs> Oh my god! So I had set it up like years ago, and I didn't know I had it, and like it just sent it to one of my other accounts, and I was like, 
damn it. So now I have two Gmails and like one is like kind of like my redheaded stepchild one. And then the other one's like consistently the same with all my other ones. You just forward all your email to that, your vanity, and then uh, set your reply to and that to your vanity and tell everyone like this mail will go away. I'm going to use this one from now on. I can't believe it because I remember you actually telling me about this whole Gmail thing. Like I want this. I don't have it. And this is the one thing that doesn't match my, all my other things. And I'm like, wah, boo-hoo, like, cry me a river. Like, it's the world's tiniest vi- violin here. And come to find out that you own the the email you had it the entire time. It's probably like 13-year-old Lou that didn't use a password manager. I was just like, I, I don't know. <laughs> that's great, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much exactly how it went, probably. I was like, you know, I mean, this was like, you know, when when you were still like so on top of everything and you would be like, you wanted to like claim your spot, you know, you, you had to do it at, at some point. And so you were like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go to this website and I'm going to get my name. And I probably did that and just didn't, didn't know. Didn't use it enough. Still using your classic Yahoo email. Like psh, all my girls know my, my Yahoo email. So all my peeps know me. They notified me on, on aim. So wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. We should, we should definitely go down this alley. So what, what embarrassing email, uh, do you have that you don't use anymore? I assume you have some sort of embarrassing email that you don't use anymore. That was like your childhood email. Oh, snap. So yeah, definitely. So I had a couple and mainly they were all for AOL instant messenger. So I would usually just set up like burner Yahoo accounts for them and I, I don't really have any of them anymore, but if you look at my Skype name, you know how it's like Adam and then blank BMX, right? So blank BMX was like a thing that I was doing like in high school with uh, a couple of my friends. And that was kind of like our BMX crew, you know, like we were, that's what we would, you know, the moniker we would use when we'd ride around. Um, so I definitely had uh, a couple emails centered around, around that. And the other one I have, and I don't even care if I call it out, but, uh, so one of the guitars that I have, like one of my favorite guitar brands is uh, Schechter. So um, it's kind of like kind of the same as my last name or similar to it. So I had Schechter172 at yahoo.com. And that was like my go-to for like, you know, years and years and years until I realized that I should probably be a grown-up and use a, you know, first last name because putting Schechter172 at yahoo.com on a resume doesn't look too good. So yeah. Yeah, that that it's sort of the same thing happened to me, right? You know, so yeah, I don't mind calling mine out, and mine is definitely worse than yours. Um, so I, man, I wish this this should be like an icebreaker activity at like you know like oh god, you like you just get a bunch of people together and you're like okay cool we need an icebreaker activity all right name your childhood email, <laughs> um, so my okay so my dad had a bunch of friends and his friends ended up uh this is like in the 90s and his friends ended up calling him big daddy so when i came along um naturally i wanted to take after my dad because like any kid so what did i start calling myself little daddy so Guess what my first email was? It was little daddy Lou at yahoo.com. Little daddy 122 at yahoo.com or 22 <laughs> at yahoo.com. I don't remember, but there was some number after it. But yes, little daddy. And I'm pretty sure it was 22 or or 122 at yahoo.com. Yeah, man. Old old screen names are the best. Like, because 
I remember there was one time, you know, I had this metal band and when you, when you're doing a metal band and you like stumble upon like a really good name, it's kind of the same thing we're running into for the podcast where we're like, we find this name, we're like, Oh, this name is so awesome. And then you find out there's another band in San Diego that's of the same genre that already has that name. And we're like, son of a bitch can't use that name now. So you have to think of another one. So what I think like one of the bands we had was civil unrest. And that was like the first one that we did. And then after that, it was, um, Oh man, we went through so many weird names. Etched in blood was one of them. Like what the hell? And then, uh, uh, what was the other, there was another one. Um, I can't remember the other one now. This is going to piss me off, but yeah, I had a lot of band name ones and they were, you know, etched in blood seven or like, you know, <laughs> civil unrest three, four, two, or <laughs> some stupid number around it, or you start capitalizing stuff or putting X's in front of it. I remember that was a big thing, right? So like lowercase X, capital X, lowercase X, insert screen name, lowercase X, capital X, lowercase X, right? Oh, so good. Yeah. It was just a way to like pillar the screen name on either side or, you know, it was like, Oh yeah, man. Oh, all right. So now that we got through that, uh, wretched past, uh, so I guess I would say, do you like email as a medium? Do you not like email as a medium? I mean, I, I think this is, I mean, personally speaking, not my favorite medium, but I'm, I'm kind of curious. I I see email the same way I see it, saw the recovery casing from last episode, right? It's like a necessary evil. Like, it needs to be there. Like, it has a place in the world, but do I like using it? No. I I would prefer other methods, mainly because we'll get into this in a little bit, but it's just so antiquated. There's, it's very, very dumb and there's not a lot of features, not a lot of great things you can use, but God, it's so damn accessible. Like you can, anyone can have an email and you can send anything you want to email and God, it's just, you can get it everywhere. So it's, it's one of the things where it's so widespread that the accessibility of it makes it almost a necessity uh, to have just in your toolbox. But there are so many better messaging platforms out there in terms of security, in terms of feature set, but it, it has to be there, but I don't like it. Yeah. It's uh, I understand what you're, what you're getting at there. It's, it's, it's kind of a necessary evil, but I, I don't know, man. I, um, I like it in some ways. Uh, in some ways I really like that it is a very passive medium and there's a lot of times I need to send an email to somebody and I don't need to get a hold of them immediately. It's not time sensitive. And so email is, is really, really, really nice. And so I think about some of the other contact methods we have today when, and most of them are extremely instant, you know, I mean, I can basically, you know, get someone's phone to light up right now and get back to me. And email is one of those ones that that isn't the case. And I kind of like that. And I kind of, would say if, if email is going to ever go away, it's got to be replaced by something similar. But that's just a problem with thinking in society, right? Where you send an SMS to somebody and that's like the world is ending, right? Or you pick up the phone and call somebody. Now the world is ending. So having these like zones, right? And that's a big thing when you talk about like productivity and in terms of just sorting through massive amounts of information, right? You have all these, these different zones to check. And things that are world ending and need to be answered right away, things that can wait 10 to 15 minutes and things that you can get to at your leisure. And I think email, you know, kind of just fell into the, yeah, whenever I get to it type thing. But when email was first there, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this email is is fantastic. I can send something and immediately have it appear on the other side of the planet. And that was the preferred method of communication, right? So I think 
the reason you like it is just because it's about to, you know, kind of fall off into the the edge of existence where it's like, yeah, it's, you know, when you send an email, the great thing is like, it'll be there, you know, and people can check it whenever. And there's no way to know if they read it. And there's no way to know if it actually delivered to their inbox. And there's, there's no way to know all of these things. But because it's so old, and hasn't, you know, kind of grown with the times, it's become everyone's like last resort, you know, I'll check it when I get to it type, uh, type zone. So I think that's, that's just kind of a, a side effect of it not evolving. So I think the reason you like it is because it's so antiquated. Yeah, I, there are definitely things I think we could do better with some of the other mediums, because you're totally right that a lot of the other mediums are a lot richer, and there's they offer a lot more. But um, and, and they're best way better on security. But the the notification, you know, sort of instantaneous response that is associated with SMS or or that style chat, you know, uh, kind of communication is something that I think society needs to find a a better way to uh, handle because there needs to be still ways I can get a hold of you. You know, for example, if I need to get a hold of you ASAP, I need to be able to get a hold of you ASAP some way. But there there needs to be a way when you send a message to somebody to say like, hey, this isn't urgent or whatever, you know, and then it doesn't necessarily need to ding their phone right now. You know, it, it can just be a little bit more passive. So I don't know if that would be like just a toggle switch or something like that, but that's for someone else to figure out, not for me. Well, and email already had all those things in there, right? They had high priority and low priority and they had all these things kind of built in. And yeah, SMS, the, the problem, like you said, is with society. Everyone treats SMS like the end all be all. But in reality, it should be the phone call, right? That's the one thing that is still needs to be instantaneous. There is no way to avoid a phone call, right? Uh, in that medium, you have to pick up the phone to in order in order to initiate the conversation. With the message, it's a push-pull system, right? It's not a live feedback system. So live feedback is still like your, oh shit, things are, shit's hitting the fan. I need to talk to this person right now. You call them, right? That, that's how it goes. And text message, I think people treat that as a replacement for phone, or that's what people are trying to do. The whole antisocial generation, myself included, would much rather, you know, deal with a text message than deal with a phone call. But I, I think that, and this is kind of getting off topic, but I think that that whole zone just needs to be kind of rethought out and say like, hey, if someone sends me an SMS, like maybe I just won't turn on the notifications on the lock screen. And then just when I unlock my phone, I'll have, you know, five text messages or four SMSs or whatever, you know, maybe, and I can just check them at my leisure uh, rather than my phone going off in my pocket and me having to check it. If my phone starts ringing in my pocket, then, hey, like something's happening. But same thing with phone calls, right? You have spam and a bunch of other stuff. So I think that kind of leads us nicely into the the next thing, which is we know email is antiquated. So how do we how do we fix it? Like, what do we need to fix about email? All right. Well, I think the one that really irks me is, I guess I would say, of of the list we've written here, the, the first two irk me, but they kind of go hand in hand, which is spam and unsubscribing from email um i don't know about you but i won't give anybody my email like i don't have junk emails i don't have like a you know oh i go to you know some store nordstrom and they want my email so i'm going to give it to them and then they're going to you know give me a ad in my email every day because i haven't been to their website today i won't give it to them it's not worth it to me and like (laughs) I kind of throw this around like like as a joke sometimes, but like I don't think 
people take me as seriously as I as I am about it. Look, unless you're going to give me like $100 or $500 or something like that, it's not worth the the crap that I'm going to have to go through to just get you off my unsubscribe list and or to, to get unsubscribed from you. And God knows what you're going to actually do with my email. I mean, you know, maybe a nice upstanding business won't do anything nefarious with it, but, you know, give it to some random person and they go out of business and they sell their contacts list and make money from it. And then I'm on 35 other email lists. So yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I get probably less than 10 emails a day from my primary email address and every one of them is like legitimate. And so I think rethinking unsubscribing and I'm going to put like advertising in the spam category is like huge. I don't know how we we do that, but um, I think those are huge hurdles to overcome today. So I can tell you how I fix this just in today's system. So one of the nice things with like IMAP, right, is they let you choose aliases for your email, right? Where you can say like, here's my email and then here's my email plus like an alias and then something else at whatever.com. So if my email was Adam is awesome, if I wanted to be like, all right, all my spam goes to, or the email address I give out to spam people is Adam is awesome plus spam at whatever.com. Basically when they'd send that, I'd be able to filter then off of, you know, that alias. It would still come to my, my email, but I would be able to be fil- filtered off of that alias because they're sending to that, you know, that, um, that address, which is easy to filter off of. So I have a, I call them burner emails. Uh, but in reality, what they're for is all of these shopping pages, right? So I have like a, my last name shopping at gmail.com. And in that I have a last name shopping plus notify at gmail.com. And basically anything that has the plus notify means that it should be sent to my email. So I set up a filter to basically say, hey, if it matches this alias, alias, then forward it to my real email address. And then I'll actually view it there. But if it doesn't, then mark it as red and throw it in the, this box. If it doesn't contain like order number or shipped or whatever, don't even bother sending it to me. So I kind of use this quote unquote PO box, right? To kind of just hold all this mail and only filter out what I actually want. So I, I agree that there needs to be a better way to fix this, you know, because the workaround that we have is pretty kludgy, but I think that's an easy way to do it is just set up a, a burner email and use aliases to kind of direct uh, mail to your real address and kind of keep that sacred. Uh, I, I think email, and I mentioned this, you know, in our last episode, like email is the perfect, you know, moniker, the perfect name for what this technology actually is. It's just taking mail that used to get in your mailbox, right? And making it electronic, electronic mail. So all of the bad things that went with mail too, right? Getting mailers, getting junk, you know, getting whatever when you sign up for said service all translated over to email. And since it's now digital and doesn't cost anything to, you know, do right. Rather than putting a stamp on something, everyone sends spam. So I I think it's, I guess my question is, is do you think that, you know, your sort of alias setup, is that like a bandaid solution for the problem though? Is that not like, to me, that seems like a, um, you know, it's it's a way around the problem. Don't get me wrong, but are we not addressing the root cause of the issue in the first place? That spam is prevalent, huge, and 
like you said, for all intents and purposes, it's free to send an email. So, you know, it, it costs nothing. So, you know, either some improvement of server side rules or, or, you know, just rethinking how you can unsubscribe and it actually does work. You get your name moved off the list or something like that. Um, do you think anything needs to change that way? So I, I think I, I agree. Yes, my stuff is a workaround. And I kind of mentioned it's a very kludgy workaround. It's not an official way to fix this problem. And it may be controversial what I'm going to say, but much like we have a do not call registry and a unsubscribe from all advertising email list that you can apply to as a citizen in the United States, right? You can basically say like, hey, I'm this person. I live at this address. I don't ever want to see any marketing, any you know, junk mail, any advertising email at all. I don't want to see that addressed to me at this address. And you can register on there for like a certain number of years, right? You can do it with the do not call and you can do it with the uh, the mail. I found the junk mail one. If you actually apply for that one, that one actually does a really good job at filtering out stuff because it's much easier to track, you know, like say, hey, you cannot send mail to this individual rather than you cannot call this person, which all the robots go out there and call you anyway. And there's not really a good way to track all of that. But I, I think there just needs to be a better way to enforce and say like, hey, like I don't want spam. I don't want advertisements. Like I do not want them on here. And I, I treat spam and unsubscribe as totally different because spam is spam, right? Spam is someone just going to send you something when you had no interaction with this at all. That's what I consider spam, right? If you signed up for a mailing list, that's different. That goes with the unsubscribe thing. Uh, but spam itself, there should be no way for a company to send you something without your consent or explicitly signing up for it. And that includes like a list that you've subscribed to sending your email to someone else. So I, I think that if we had something similar to what we do with junk mail in the mail world, right? where basically it's a law saying like, you cannot send this to this person, then that would help eliminate spam. That can, that gets into a whole other discussion of, you know, an email being a personally identifiable thing, identifiable thing that's traces back to one individual. And you can technically only have like one primary residence or one primary email. So it gets into, you know, a bunch of murky water there, but staying away from all that, I think if there was a way to basically apply to a list and people would have to, you know, respect this list and if they didn't they would be fined a bunch of money right but how do you enforce that in digital world fuck if i know that's not my job to figure out i just think that would help okay yeah so spam spam's an interesting one i, I know we're kind of splitting hairs on the definitions definition of spam but i uh no i, I understand your definition and i totally agree with it 100 percent. i also i don't know there's a degree at which i also think it is responsible for a company to communicate with you that you even did give explicit permission to. Um, and I wish there was a little bit more like granular settings sometimes either email side or, or the companies had to allow where, I mean, you know, you've, you've probably been on these lists where it's like some companies you give them their email and they're literally emailing you like twice a day or three times a day. And you're like, are you kidding me right now? Like, you know, I'm getting 90 emails a month from you because you, you're just begging me to go to your website and look at something. It's like when I gave you my email, I didn't, I, I never give my company an email with the expectation that I want them to email me maybe any more than once a week or something like that. Like if it's more than that, man, I am, I am hot diggity damn unsubscribing from your, your shit because I don't want it. But you know, I, I, that's where I think there needs to, to be some more granular controls over things like that. And so that's why 
I consider even a company I give my my explicit consent to like email me to be, you know, just garbage if they're emailing me that often because no different than like if I didn't check my mail for a week and I go check my mail and I don't know, like credit card offers, these are the common like, you know, mailers we get where it's like I'm going to consider junk mail from from actual physical mail is like if I had seven credit card offers from Chase, I would be like I, it's been a week. Really? You guys are going to send me seven of these and they all say the same thing essentially. Like, no, no, I'm, I'm so done. That's so like distasteful. I don't ever want to do business with you again. But what you don't understand is those are all from actually different sections, like different departments, different, this, different, that. So that com- that stems to a, you know, or goes down to a problem of just how companies organize and how they manage, you know, sending email, which I agree, right? Some mailing lists are, are horrible and they will actually, you know, people will say they will spam you right? It's not necessarily spam in the way that I consider it spam, right? But yeah, mailing lists are pretty atrocious. And unsubscribing from mailing lists has actually gotten a lot better. And because they've basically said, you know, they've passed laws to saying like, hey, if someone clicks unsubscribe in an email, they have to be able to unsubscribe from your mailing list within two clicks, right? They can't say unsubscribe. And I think it's actually supposed to be even just one. Like once you click unsubscribe in an email list, it's like, okay, cool, we're you're removed from this list, you know. And if it's if you didn't mean to do this and you can click this to, you know, undo it. But there there I believe has been legislation passed to where if someone sends you that, you should be able to unsubscribe within one click. And to your point, a lot of them do offer, you know, pretty granular controls like, hey, I want to be notified for account related issues only. Like if my password, you know, is reset or whatever, but I don't want product announcements. I don't want news. I don't want, you know, exciting special offers. Like I don't want that kind of stuff. All I want is account related emails. And most companies now basically give you that if it's a mailing list that you signed up for. So if you've ever clicked on subscribe on a mailing list, it's, it's really funny to see how those granular controls are actually there and you can really fine tune what you want to. Um, I I think one thing we're kind of avoiding here that I kind of want to just jump to if you're okay with it is the idea of like you, you mentioned server side filtering of spam is spam filters, right? Or even mailing list filters. Like now there are tons of features out there that basically kind of hide this from your inbox, right? To where you still get all this crap, but we just don't show it to you right away. Like you have to actually dig to find it. What do you think of that? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I wish more email companies did this instead of having to, a lot of times I feel like it, at least right now we have to go as far as like um you know third party solutions and i don't really see why we need to go third party it doesn't really seem like we should have to go third party to sort of get these solutions and when i say third party i mean things um like sanebox and and so on and so forth and i ought to like to to be totally honest i haven't really used any of those i just think the the rules that are in place for server side stuff for most companies today is pretty like elementary still it's it doesn't go deep enough far enough but i think it could go a lot deeper and it's pretty clear from companies like sandbox that it could and if companies wanted to invest the the time to do that man email would be a hell of a lot better to just um sift through on the day-to-day so I don't know. That's kind of where I, I stand on it. I, I really hope this is kind of a, a changing area over the coming years. Yeah. So I, I think with all those things, right, we're mentioning all the band-aids, all the workarounds, all the things that you can kind of do and that p- companies have tried to do to make email better. And 
I think the problem is a lot of people see mail as a productivity tool, right? It's like, hey, you know, if someone's sending you an email, it's something you might need to take action on, something you might not have to do like right away, but it's a good way to archive a lot of things that you need to do. And a lot of people will use, especially like at work, right? At companies, they'll use email as a form of productivity or as a form of record keeping. And, you know, as we kind of keep that in mind, I think it's funny how we start mentioning all these things that would be nice to have an email, right? And we'll touch on more of those in a little bit, but I, I think it's keep that in mind as we get kind of further into this, because I'll want to come back to the productivity aspect of it. Um, but yeah, so unsubscribing, I think it, there needs to be a better way to globally manage all of the subscriptions you have. Like, I think it would be amazing to say, hey, here's my email. Show me all of the companies that have this email and what they can send to me. And this kind of goes with the whole do not send me email list thing, right? Is if there was a way to say, like, this is my email, you know, I verify that this email is mine by, you know, sending an email and confirming, then I get access to, let's say, this portal. And in this portal, I have every company that has registered to send email to my email address. And in there, they have to list what they can send it for, right? You know how companies will send you like letters saying like, hey, you know, these are your privacy options and this is what you can opt out of. You know, I, I would love a digital form of that for my mailing list. So I can say, just go down the list and say like, oh, I don't remember signing up for this one. Nope, I don't want to receive any of their email. Nope, I don't want to receive any of this one's email. But having a one-stop shop for that would be awesome. Because right now you're, you're, you know, fighting a hydra, right? You're chopping off one head and then two more pop up later, right? You're, you're constantly fighting this monster trying to get this mailing list kind of tuned to where you, you're receiving what you want to receive. And if you miss one, God, God help you. Or if you accidentally go to a place and sign up again and they reset those, you know, permissions, like, oh my God, you have now just opened the floodgates of mailing list emails again. So I think that would be a, a cheap way to fix it. Like I said, there are probably a bunch of things about security and having everything stored and registering with, you know, this central authority that would have to manage all these settings, but fuck, I don't know. I'm just throwing out ideas. Yeah. So one of the hacky things I do, and I mean, I feel like this episode is going down the, the, the path of hacky, you know, band-aid solutions is I have uh, a rule that looks for um, the word unsubscribe in an email. And when it's in there, I can say move to trash. So that's a, you know, like a, trivial hack that does work without any sort of, you know, premium subscription. But, um, man, it, it just, it further underlines like the tools aren't, aren't, uh, you know, sophisticated enough to really support what we really need to do today. Yeah, for sure. And that's a good one. Uh, anything that says unsubscribe, you know, give you a little more visibility to, to those types of things. So, um, the other thing I want to talk about is identity. And I kind of touched on this earlier, but I mentioned how, you know, we could all have like 50 different emails and I have, you know, we have four different emails. We have all these different emails, but you know, when you, and I, and I compare this to, you know, kind of the real world, which the digital world is much different from the real world. Yes, I know. But when I move somewhere, like basically I say, I, Hey, I live here. And if someone sends email to, you know, or sorry, not email, but mail to my old address and I'm not there and someone else is there. Well, crap, you know, that's, that's not cool because that person could open my mail or hopefully the post office, you know, redirects it. But the whole concept of identity in email, there, there is none really, right? Anyone can own an email. I mean, look at you, Lou Daddy or Little Daddy 122. Uh, you didn't even know you had com until you actually went and reset the password. But there was no way to really tie that back to an individual. There was no way to say, you know, this email belongs to so-and-so. 
And we have that with domains and we have ways of masking that with domains, but there is no concept of like a one-to-one identity with an email address. And I think as we move towards, you know, quote unquote, fixing email, right? Or trying to fix all the things wrong with email. I think this is something that kind of needs to play into it. It needs to be like, hey, I own this email. This is my email. And there needs to be a way to verify that. And right now we, we haven't really touched on digital identities and what that means in the modern world. But I think that's going to be a pretty big thing, especially as we move to, you know, more records being digitized and stuff like that is you having a digital identity and people not being able to impersonate you um, or steal your, you know, identity. It, once it's digital, and let's say we talked about encryption last, so we'll kind of tie that in there. Let's say you have, you know, the key to your identity, and this is your key, and this is the, the way to prove that you are you, much like your birth certificate and social security card, you know, prove who you are with the with the government. I, I think we're going to at some point have to tackle that whole digital identity issue, and I think email is going to be one of the things that benefits greatly from that, right? Sending it to someone that, hey, I want to send to so-and-so. And And it's like, okay, well, so-and-so has this email and you can verify that this is so-and-so. It's like, cool. I want this to only be readable by so-and-so. And And that gets into the encryption thing as well. It's like, all right, great. We know that so-and-so's encryption key is this. Here's, you know, a key to send it. We will make sure that only they are able to read it, right? I I think something like that would be a a great way to quote-unquote fix email because once you know that you're sending it to a certain person you you can send you know more secure things that way you you can have more faith in the system and it will probably cut down on some of the people like trying to send to people and accidentally getting spam right if you have a popular email and let's say a lot of people have your first and last name and you're the one person to get your first and last name someone fat fingers an email address and sends it to you my mom used to get that all the time because she had her first name at the uh, isp that she was uh she was contracted with and people would send her email all the time, like actual legit email, like asking questions and asking for, you know, hey, you know, are you free this Saturday? Or, hey, can you look at this draft for this resume? Or like, hey, can you do this stuff? But little did they know they weren't sending it to the right person. So I think that's something that's going to have to be looked at at some point in time. I'm sorry, I just totally like just spewed identity nonsense on the uh, on the podcast. So my apologies. No, I, I think it's a, a valid concern. And I mean, I think they're... There might be multiple ways to go about, you know, something like like this. I mean, you can solve this problem through some sort of verification system. You know, like I think about things like Twitter. You know, they use a verification system that might work. Or I think about this in the way that you could you could do something like this. And I've always kind of wanted something like this. I just I know it'd be tough to implement. And and you could argue people like Facebook are maybe trying to do something like this, but in a very slimy way, but like a giant LDAP database for like the entire world um, in a way that you could sort of just have a contact card that could be different for different people um, so that it doesn't have the same information on every card for everybody. And you could revoke someone's access to your contact card at any point in time and you could update things at any point in time and it would just update on their phone, you know, just essentially, you know, push down to everyone's phone and, and off it would go. Um, I, I just think it would be like super useful and it would be a way to essentially verify you are you because, um, you know, I, I could see a, a way where a company like that could then, you know, send an email to that email and say, you know, you need to be able to click the link in that email to, even add this to your, you know, your account or something like that. You want like the white pages for the world, you know, 
kind of, but like I, I still want it to be semi-private in the sense that like you could request someone's contact card and say, hey, like, you know, I want Adam's contact information and Adam, you probably, you know, like, I mean, that your contact card for, you know, your wife, you know, that she has in her phone is different than the contact card that I need. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know, it might have a nickname or a birthday or, or something like that, that I'm like... You're like, Lou doesn't need to know that information. And so, you know, or Lou doesn't need to know this address or my relationship with my mom or, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's just like linked things that aren't necessary and being able to kind of grant someone that access, but be like, Hey, limit the information they see. I don't know. I think it would be useful. I think they've already started working on stuff like that, right? Where you can have your contact card and in your contact card, you can specify things that are like, hey, this is public or this is private or this is, you know, something that can get shared and this is something that cannot. I think they, they've started working on on stuff like that. Um, I'll have to kind of dig into something and see if I can find where that is. But I, I believe there already are some extensions to the existing vCard format where you can have things be public or private um, or, you know, shareable or not shareable. So when you, you know, share a contact card out, you can include what to send. And this kind of, you know, goes into what you're saying, but rather than having to manually send it out, people can, you know, just pull what they want to, kind of having a visible visible profile. But yeah, I think the whole online identity thing, especially when it comes to email, is just another way to to fix it, right? Because if you know who you're sending it to and people know who they're sending it to, I think there's just more accountability. And that goes for like corporations sending email too, right? So if Macy sends you... uh, an email. I know you used that example earlier, right? You can know that it came from this Macy's and this is which Macy's it came from, which department. This is the person who signed you up, not the person, let's say, but like the store that signed you up, or this is the action that got you basically signed into this mailing list. And I think something like that, right? Being able to track your identity and track the history of how your identity is being used by by others uh, will be very beneficial. So the last thing I have in here that I put in for just how do we fix email is the clutter. And I put this in here because clutter isn't as big of an issue as it used to be, especially with things like searching. And now that digital storage is super, super cheap, and they seem to give you just bucket loads of it nowadays. And especially with like, uh, namely Gmail, right? Gmail came up with the concept of not deleting email, but archiving it, which I'm not a huge fan of, especially when we talk about spam and mailing lists and stuff like that. Like, that shit is trash. I don't want that, you know, ever appearing again. Like I want that stuff gone. So I guess the question is, how do we fix the clutter? And I'll tell you my little workaround. So I only archive things that I need to reference at another time or that came from individuals, right? So I'll archive all of my um, rental, you know, correspondence with my, my property manager or, you know, correspondence with like, Amazon products, you know, orders and receipts, things like that. But if I get like a mailing list, it's like, hey, check out these cool things. And let's say it's something that I'm actually like, I'm subscribed to and I'm actively subscribed to. So I actually want to see this and I click on it. I will delete that and delete goes to the trash and my trash empties after 30 days. So I only archive the stuff that I want to reference at another time. And otherwise I could care less or I couldn't care less. I would, I don't want to see some of those emails ever again. So I trash them. I'm curious kind of what you do or how you think we can fix email clutter. Cause that's the way I am is selectively archiving things, but that's a kind of has a lot of overhead to it. So when I say I'm really light with email, I'm really light with email. Um, so 
in my main account, um, or even like, let's just say collective accounts. So all accounts have right now in the inbox, five emails. Um, if I'm looking at all four email addresses at the same time. And when I look at subfolders, there's really only the one account that has subfolders and it's got a just kind of like a, almost like I call this like a temporary or a triage folder. Um, I call, I just call it important. And if I have something like plane tickets or something I need to save or hang on to a warranty or something like that, that might be pertinent. Um, it goes into the important folder. Um, and then everything else gets deleted, read, deleted. I don't archive anything. So, um, in that right now is one, two, three, four, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, twelve things are in the important folder right now. Twelve messages. So, <laughs> what there are like eighteen emails to my name right now. It is it is really scarce. I definitely don't keep anything around. Everything else just gets thrown in the trash and it, yeah, deletes it. I have mine set at thirty days just as a like, oh my god, I deleted something. I need to go back and get that. But that's about it. See, that's the problem is like I have to go back and reference like rental documentation at the end of the year. And I don't want that sitting in like a folder because I also do something like you, right? I'll flag something or I, I use kind of a label system for mine. I, I don't use subfolders. I only have the inbox and archive. That's it. I kind of got away from the whole subfolder thing because it wasn't worth it. Uh, but I, I guess the question comes to is these are all systems that we're doing manually, right? Like we're just saying trash this, trash that is. Do you think there's a better way to kind of address the clutter? Do you think that something like, let's say, someone's sending you an email, and this email, if it doesn't have, like, if it's not high priority, or it's not this, or it doesn't have a certain flag set, that it just expires after 30 days automatically? Or if it does have this set, like, hey, this is important, we need you to see this, if there's a way to negotiate that, or basically say, hey, anything from these contacts, like, I want to make sure it goes to an archive, and anything outside of that just can get trashed after 30 days after I read it, unless I make some other action. Like I'm curious if there's any other thoughts that you have on, on that, because yeah, we, we have these band-aids or like you said, you're light on email. So you trash everything, but Lou, what if you need to, you know, pull up that Lululemon uh, order that you did, you know, because they didn't charge you the sale price and you definitely, you know, know that that item was on sale. So they charged you, you know, $70 rather than $50 for your pair of shorts. Like, how are you going to be able to prove that you did this? Are you just going to rely on their system? Well, they're not going to be honest. They're going to say, oh, yeah, we, we see here that, you know, you definitely paid $70 and it was definitely $70. But what about the email that said it was 50 Those shorts, man, save the $20. All right, man. So I'm going to be honest. Like, I really haven't had too much problems with this, uh, but I, I I trust that the, the, you know, the systems that I could like log into an account and view my order and reprint the receipt essentially if I needed to. So I don't worry too much about that. As far as like really long-term storage, you brought up something like rental agreements. I don't know if I had to store something like that long, long-term, I would probably either print the PDFs uh, and, you know, save those PDFs on the computer. Or, I mean, I don't know that this is a really great solution, but throw them all in a, uh, in a folder and then, you know, like export that folder um, as like, you know, a you know an archive copy of a of an uh like on, on the mac an mbox folder you know and then just store that somewhere lou lou you got a thing outside the box man i'm talking about how do we fix this now how do we work around it because yeah i do all those things too and I, those are all workarounds but i don't want to have to do those things how can i get mail to actually just do all this or what's an elegant way to have mail do this i, I want you to come up with a solution for that that's what i want man 
That's what I want. I don't want. I don't want. To, I don't want to know about like saving stuff to PDF because, like, yeah, dude, I do that. I, I got that. I want to know how Mail is going to do this for me. If I tag something as this, or if I say like, hey, this is legal stuff, then will it? Can it like automatically save it? Is there a way for me to like immediately just pull all that stuff from somewhere? My man, I, I want a magical solution. Well, so the the wondrous world is that like every email provider ends up getting like essentially Gmail's level of search and understanding you know, like intent and, and so many things. And then, you know, it, it just basically, everybody has unlimited storage. You send it for every male thing in the, the world. Like you don't have to worry about that. And you just, it just trashes it all. As soon as it comes into the inbox and you just search your inbox, you never even look at an email. You just open your inbox and, and there's a, there's a, there's a search field. Adam, what would you like to look for today? And, and you just, you just search everything. You're like, Search, search Lou. What has Lou sent me recently that I haven't read because it just got trashed right away? It just all sits in trash or essentially it all sits in archive, you know, or whatever you want to call it. Like some hidden folder. You always open your email and all you get is a search box. <laughs> That's the futuristic world, Adam. It just, I only pull what I need. There is no like central repository. It's just, what do you want to look for today? They don't even show me like a list. I like that. I can, I can get on board with that. You just open email and it's just like a search box. It's just like you, you, there's there's no message you ever see. It's just like the Google homepage. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's the Google homepage, but for email. And you're just like, oh, okay, cool. Just this giant search bar. Is there an I'm feeling lucky button? Like I put in like Amazon order. I'm feeling lucky. <laughs> Hopefully it pulls up the last order that I made. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. That's the that's the way I see it. It's like the, the future of email is... Is you don't ever read an email. You just you just search for everything. It just marks that all is read. The future of email. No email. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it marks that all is read. You search for every little thing you ever need. The future of email is search. Yeah, Adam's like I'm like. Uh, did did you get my email? Uh, no, no, I, I didn't search it. So I did. I didn't. I didn't get it. There will never be a search like show me emails from Lou. <laughs> that search will never exist. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, so that that's how we declutter. That that's how we do it, right there. Is that the, there is no you don't even get to look at the clutter. You don't get to see what's behind the curtain. God, it can be a hoarder situation behind there. You won't even know. All you do is search for what you want. It's a rosy world you live in. It's a rosy world you live in, you know. Hoarders never has to come if you uh don't show them your junk. Yeah. Well, you say the problem doesn't exist if no is exists if no one can see it, right? Problem's not there. You can't see it. It doesn't exist. That's logic, right? Baby logic. Uh object permanence, right? Uh-huh. So, I I think that's funny. So, we mentioned all these things, all these band-aids, and I know you kind of touched on it that there are a lot of like male clients that try to fill these gaps or try to like implement these band-aids. So, I've used kind of a fair number over the years. So I don't know if you want me to kind of outline the ones that I've tried, or if you want to go uh, yours first, I'll leave that up to you. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess so I can try to summarize this as uh, the ones I've tried. So I have, and I'm, I'm kind of half cheating here because I'm definitely looking at your list and, and picking a, uh, one of these that I've tried. So I did use mailbox for a while which was a Dropbox company that was the whole idea was the zero inbox lifestyle. Um, I have used 
Another one called Spark, which is uh, made by a company called Riedel. Um, or, or Redel. I don't, I don't know how the hell you say their company name. Riedel. Riedel. Okay. So, yeah, they're, they're a good company. I definitely like uh, their email client. Um, it's it's uh, definitely probably like second place for me for current versions out there. Other ones I've used, notable, I guess I would say, is I've used the Gmail app. I've used Microsoft Outlook at different points. And I've used um, AirMail. Um, other than that, I don't think I've ventured out too far beyond those that I just named. But I'll be honest, I keep coming back to just the standard Apple Mail. It's something that's like... So one thing that's really hard is to get you know cross platform to find one that does Mac iOS and 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 you know can do that well um, and then it's just finicky sometimes I there's there's something just so basic and primitive and that's the hardest piece to like get right and that's why I think you know some of the even like the web client that Gmail offers is so good because it's it doesn't have tons and bells and whistles and it just works which you know hey. Keep it simple, stupid, right? So um, that's kind of my uh, my uh, my take on what I've actually used and where I am today. Cool. So I, I'm in the same boat. I tried uh, Mailbox before they were bought by Dropbox because once Dropbox bought them, I was like, nope, I'm off this train. Uh, I also uninstalled Dropbox today. You'd be very proud of me. And it feels so, so good. So good. No more Dropbox. It's, it's awesome. Oh, my God. Claps for Adam. Uninstalled Dropbox. Holy shit, it's been a long time coming, getting you out of remission. I know, I know. So I, I knew you'd be happy about that. I should have put that in wrap-up, so we can come back to that later. But I, I finally did it, and I actually looked up the article. I'm like, all right, wh- where is all these hidden Dropbox folders? Because <laughs> I want to make sure this thing is gone. I just don't want to touch it. Oh, yeah, because like, they, they say, like, just trash it, and that'll, that'll fix it. And then, like, but they're like, if you look at the support article, it's like, no, go empty this, and then go, you know, delete the cache folder. It's like, there's something in root library, and then there's a helper over here, and then there's also something, a hidden folder in your home directory. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I knew, I knew there was some, some crazy crap everywhere. And rather than just searching my whole, whole drive for anything named Dropbox, I luckily just kind of went there. But, yeah, that was, that was funny. Do you... uh do you not use uh, Hazel's version of this, though? Hazel did not pick these up. It didn't pick up the ones. It didn't pick up the ones that the support article mentioned. And I, I thought about that, too, because I was like, all right, Hazel's going to do this for me, right? And I looked at the list that Hazel brought up, and it's all the cache files and stuff like that. Like, that's fine. Like, cool. But it didn't get rid of the root library folder, and it didn't get rid of the hidden folder in my user folder. It's the two folders that they explicitly call out. So I'm like, dang, Hazel, what the fuck? You let me down. Weird. But it's okay. I know. Um, so, but I, I think what's funny is, is you, you called out like inbox zero. So really the only reason I used, you know, other third party clients was to get like an easier way to live an inbox zero lifestyle without kind of killing the whole idea of mail, right? The idea of snoozing a message, like saying like, Hey, get this out of my inbox and show it to me in like an hour. Cause I, I want to make sure there's nothing on my plate that I need to do. But this if I read this right now and I don't need to take action on it immediately and I'm doing something else, I'm going to lose track of it. And I love not having badges and notifications. So any way I can get rid of those, the better. So I love triaging my mailbox because I definitely tried to live that inbox zero lifestyle. And mailbox definitely gave me a way to do that, whether it be snoozing the email until a certain day, throwing that email in a different list, um, 
a bunch of other things. And I've tried other apps like Mail Butler is one of them, which kind of is just an, an extension into uh, the Mail app on you know the Mac, which will let you do these things. There's also like Gmail ones that you can like attach your Gmail account to the service, and it will go into your Gmail account and kind of do these things for you and interface through their client. You can say like, hey, show me this email in you know a week, or show me this email you know in an hour, or show this to me you know later today. So I, I think those things are kind of important because. When when I mentioned, you know, I wanted to bring a productivity, this is kind of where I want to do it is because the whole reason of reaching out and trying some of these third party clients was I wanted to be more productive with email. And I felt like what I was doing was trying to come up with all these crazy workarounds that I feel like some company would have already tried and many companies have. And kind of to your point is that you keep falling back to the stock thing, the stock, you know, mail app, and I do as well is because shit just works and shit's cross platform. And I don't have to worry about someone else, you know, like going through my mailbox, because there is something kind of like, that feels slimy about that much like with the Dropbox thing, right? Like, I don't like, you know, a service having to go through my email, and having to do this, I would love these features to be baked in. But I think like, out of all these, I've tried kind of the same ones you have, I haven't gotten into Spark, and I haven't gotten into Airmail. But I I've definitely used Outlook, I've definitely used uh, Gmail's app and their inbox app, right when that came out for a hot minute. Um, and Mailbox, but Mailbox by far was my favorite mainly because of living that inbox zero lifestyle. Like I would love to have, as you mentioned, you know, kind of that rosy scenario, just no email in my inbox. And when I open mail, there's nothing actionable that I need to do. I can just search for what I want. Or if I open it, oh shoot, there's two things in here, but there's only two things and I can control what I need to do with those two things. So I I think for me, the biggest feature that I want in email is just the ability to snooze, man. Like just that alone would make email five times better for me. Like, cool, this email came through, show me this again in an hour. Because right now it's like, all right, I get this email and I say, cool, you know, I put it in in OmniFocus or things and I say, remind me about this in, you know, an hour. (laughs) And OmniFocus is much better at doing that. But I I have to resort to a third party tool to do this. And I would love to be able to just click a button, you know, or insert said keyboard shortcut here to be able to have that email just come back to me in a set, you know, a specified amount of time. I think that would be just amazing. So I, I have an admission. I'm really bad with things that allow you to snooze. So I, I would like snooze indefinitely. And that would, that would be my, my like Achilles heel. So I really like apps like, um, like there's a to do app called do, and it just like repeatedly nags you until you do something. Cause that will actually get me to do it. If I'm, if I'm, you know, not going to follow through. I'm pretty good with OmniFocus because what I put in OmniFocus has to be done. Um, but man, email snooze. Oh, that would be bad. Select all snooze indefinite. <laughs> well, like you said, at that point, just delete it. <laughs> right. It's not my problem. <laughs> but there are things I think where that utility for me, like, God, that would be amazing. So my TLDR of how to fix email is snooze, man. Like, I have workarounds for everything but snooze. And I guess I could make something. Like, I I guess I could, you know, make a special folder where if I assigned a keyboard shortcut and it got moved to this folder, and that folder, you know, just somehow basically re-triggered a notification and moved the the message to the inbox after a specified amount of time after that message is put in there. Uh, That sounds like a lot of scripting I don't want to do. Yeah, that that doesn't sound pretty. I mean, I'm not going to be making any money off that, so I don't don't think I'm going to do that. Anyway, do you have any other thoughts on uh, email? No, man, I'm I'm pretty good. 
I, I think it was funny when when I brought this topic up, you know, to you, it was kind of like, hey, what are we talking about this week? And I was like, I don't know, man, I haven't really thought about it. We talked about email last week, and I had thoughts on email, and I didn't think it would go anywhere, but I'm surprised we went as far as we did. Yeah, I think we did a decent job. It's a, uh, it's kind of a hot mess now that we're like in the middle of uh, the discussion. So, Ugh. yeah, I'm looking at my uh, my email right now, and I have four unread emails, and I'm like, ah, ah, I don't even want to deal with it now. After the, after recording this episode, I'm like, I don't even want to touch email. I'm just going to quit that and have the badge go away and never check it again. So, uh, yeah, I, I won't have a job next week if I never check email. So, uh, I'll be unemployed. Yeah, you might want to actually check your email at some point, but uh, it could probably wait a little bit. So, anyway, so in, in some wrap up, you uh, you got an Apple pencil sleeve, I see here. Yeah, so um, I do have an Apple pencil that that I picked up. And I, I liked it and I loved kind of, you know, drawing on things. But the, the question was always like, where do I put this when I'm not using it? And I know that there are a bunch of cases, you know, that have like built in, you know, pencil pouches and stuff like that. But I, I liked the, the smart cover and keyboard, you know, that I had. And I kind of just wanted a way to attach a pencil to, you know, to the iPad. And I'm like, there are magnets. There's got to be some product for this. So I went on Amazon and I bought just a, a pencil sleeve, right? It's just a little silicone sleeve, you know, with some some metal magnets in there or some rare earth magnets in it that will, uh, you know, just attach to the side of the iPad or anything metal. So I now, I got that. And I have to say that it's probably one of my favorite just dumb impulse buys that I've ever made on Amazon because, dude, now that pencil just goes everywhere because the pencil's always on the case. I can always just take it off the case. I can just like slap it on the side of, you know, the iPad anytime too, because the magnets are right there and I never lose it. And it's always with the iPad, like right next to the iPad, because I always have the, the smart cover on it. So I have to say that, you know, the pencil is great and I loved feeling it, you know, just by itself naked, but much like with cases on phones, I feel like this was like almost the essential case that I needed to put on this pencil. Because it it would never come off and it just gives a little more, you know, direction when you're holding it or a little more comfort when I'm holding it. Like, I don't know, man, it was the best $10 that I ever spent because there was a lightning deal and a coupon and I kind of had, you know, four minutes to pull the trigger and I definitely did. And I just want to share that, like, dude, that thing is awesome. Nice. I think if I used my pencil more, I would consider something like this. But in in all fairness, I, I don't break it out often enough to probably justify even the $10. What was funny is like, I was like, oh, well, I don't use it that much either, right? Like I, I use it for some handwritten notes and diagrams every once in a while. You know, if I'm in a meeting, then I'll jot something down. Or if I'm, you know, at home and I want to, you know, just break something out, then I'll draw something or the kids will want to draw something. But the problem was, is like, it, since I didn't have the pencil on me, I had it like in my bag or somewhere else is like that opportunity or just that friction of having to go in my bag and grab the pencil was enough for me to say like I'm not even going to do this especially when I didn't use it that much right it's kind of the same to your point where well I don't use it that much so there's no point in me you know spending money but I have to say this this has made me use it probably five times more than I ever would have just by putting this $10 accessory on it so something to think about all right I'll uh I'll consider it so the the other thing I discovered I guess to wrap up this week since you didn't include anything except for one little tidbit at the end it's just all my like Amazon purchases lately. 
you know, just, hey, what's new for you this week? It was like, well, I just bought some more Amazon stuff, and I guess I'll talk about that. So uh, the other thing I bought is because well, the weather's been warming up here, and we've started going to the beach more and more, uh, is if you ever try to take electronics to, uh, to the beach, it's kind of a, a shit show because, like, sand gets everywhere. And the last thing I want to get sand in is anything electronic. Like, getting sand in ports, granted, you know, with inductive charging these days, wireless charging, everything, you know, cool. But I still don't want to get sand anywhere. So uh, they have these waterproof bags. And I, I've seen people, I saw people on the cruise, you know, this is kind of where I got the idea. It's people on the cruise who just have their phone, like, plastered in this, like, Ziploc bag. You know, it's just a waterproof bag. And I was like, well, that looks, like, really shitty. You know, like, that doesn't look great. Like, I know there are life-proof cases and things that you can get, but I didn't want something all the time. So I found these little waterproof bags, right? So I, I throw my devices in there, and I'll do that before we leave the house. So that way they're in the bag, you know, just sealed, and there's no sand anywhere. No sand got to these things. And then I'll just go to the beach, and since, you know, you can still interact with the touchscreen through the through the plastic bag, I'll just go and I'll use the device there. and. I don't have to worry about any sand getting on my devices. I don't have to worry about any water getting on them. I got a bag that's big enough for my Kindle as well. So, dude, another one of the, you know, best $10 I ever spent thing because we go to the beach every weekend when it's sunny and not having to worry about my phone or my wife's phone getting any sand or sunscreen or anything on it is awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I kind of like these things. These things are probably higher on my list to buy, but I... uh I don't know. Like when I go to the beach, I, I honestly just put the phone away. <laughs> I'm not there for the phone. So the phone like lives, lives in the backpack and doesn't come out of the backpack until we leave the beach. It, that's kind of usually my MO. But what if there gets sand in your backpack and then the sand gets on your, your device? Okay. So why is there sand in my backpack in the first place? Because there are kids running around on the beach and kids kick up sand. Jerk hole kids who, you know, don't know how to run around the beach away from people's stuff running next to it and there's sand so this is something we should point out you know that like santa cruz beaches are very different than southern california beaches oh totally you know it's like there's like 500 people within like 20 feet of each other like you know it's 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 way more crowded so you're gonna run into jerk hole kids that are running around kicking up sand where in Southern California, if you really think about it, like you've totally been to a beach down here, you know what it's like. You really don't have that problem. Well, I grew up on beaches in Southern California. And the difference is, yeah, is that there's so much beach, so much nice beach everywhere that people spread out a lot more. Like you can drive an extra 10 minutes and then you'll be at a different beach and that beach is way less crowded than the other beach. And in Santa Cruz, yeah. yeah so so this problem it doesn't really exist for, for me where I live, you know, where I think... I totally see the necessity for you where you live. Yeah, I still think as a preventative, man, like I, knowing what I know now, I I think I would always take this no matter what, even if I was going to Southern California, even if I was leaving my bag just on the beach and I was the only one next to it. Because the last thing I want is for a freak windstorm or whatever to have sand get somewhere. The last place I want that sand is on my devices. So it's just an insurance policy for me. And like I said, it's, $10, another $10 spent on Amazon, and another way to make Adam feel better about not ruining stuff. All right, cool. So uh, is your uh, third thing an Amazon purchase too? Uh, Yes, it is. (laughs) It was all Amazon. I told you, all all three things that I had were Amazon. So I mentioned last time that uh, protein shakes didn't really get along with my my body, right? And they, they weren't 
they weren't doing too well with uh with the old stomach and intestines and kind of that whole digestive area. But uh that was kind of the pre-made ones that I had had bought from Costco. So I just bought a bunch of pre-made ones just to kind of get an idea of what it was going to be like. But I also, you know, bought my own protein, you know, like powder mix and then I love peanut butter. So one of the things I always wanted to put in there is peanut butter and I was putting in just like like spoonfuls of peanut butter in like one of those blender bottles. But that's a nightmare because it's all messy. So I found this basically just, you know, like peanut butter mix or just like dehydrated peanut butter, essentially. And uh, oh, my gosh, you put in your protein powder and then a giant heaping spoonful of this uh, peanut butter mix. Shake that up with some almond milk. Dude, like it's dessert and it's a bunch of protein and it's it's awesome. And I see your note in here and I am appalled because peanut butter is delicious and makes everything better. Yeah, not really my thing, man. Peanut butter is, uh, I've never been a fan. Never did PB&J, never did, never got on board with any of that. Do you like peanuts? Nope. Do you like, like any form of nuts? Like pistachios, cashews, almonds, walnuts? Uh, nope. Dude, what do you like? I don't know. I mean, like, I, I definitely like stuff. There's, there's like, I don't know, nuts are just something that never, never really, like, got me. I don't know. I was like... Sometimes they're okay if they're like in something. I just don't want to like you know. If they're in something, it's okay. It's I guess I would say that's a little better. But like if I have a dessert and it's just caked with nuts on the top of it, no, not going for it. I don't want it. But like if it's like like here's a prime example: something that I'll eat with nuts in it, pesto. Like it's got pine nuts in it, and they're like ground up coarsely. Like that does that does not count. That doesn't count as eating nuts. (laughs) That's a nut. That's a nut. But it's like you know what I mean. That's what I'm. If it's in something that way. You're not eating the nut at that point. You're just eating pesto. <laughs> well, I mean, you, you you are to a degree. So, like, I don't know. There, there are, like, cookies. Like, there's um, some types of cookies where it's, like, the whole nut is not in it, but it's, like, maybe, like, ground up. Like, that I'll, I'll probably be okay with. Like, I won't really notice I'm eating the nut and be okay with it. But, yeah, if it's, like, a whole nut on something, dude, uh-uh. Nope. Like, peanut butter cookies? No. Peanut butter pie? No. Nope. My God, man. That's nuts that you don't like nuts. You're nuts. All the nuts, all the time. Dude, email is nuts. And I don't like email. Yeah, so one thing I did learn this week, though, it's like around peanut butter, and this is like such a hack, but so, so creative, is um, if you're trying to give your dog a bath and your dog will will not cooperate because the dog doesn't like the bath, which... Newsflash: Mine doesn't like the uh, the bath. Is you can take a little bit of peanut butter and just kind of smear it on the wall of the shower, and your dog will sit there and just continually lick the peanut butter off the wall, which gives you ample time to wash the dog. Win win. Yeah, you don't know the peanut butter trick. I mean, there's a lot of places you can put peanut butter and have your dog just continue to lick. Uh, where where, where else should I put the peanut butter? Well, bend over and I'll show you. Oh God! Oh, oh! Have you never heard that? You've never heard of the joke of like the kid who puts peanut butter on his his balls or peanut butter on his butt? No. And calls the dog over. No. God. There's definitely some pop culture movies or some some references in movies where people have done that. They take peanut butter and. Because uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, if you've ever seen a dog with peanut butter in its mouth, it just continues to lick over and over and over again. 
That's how I used to get animals to talk, like for the whole Doctor Doolittle thing. Well, yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely know that that like the dog will react in that way. But like, I just thought this was like such a clever hack when I saw this this week. I was like, oh man, that totally is like. I mean, you know, I've done the whole like just give him a spoonful of it and watch them lick for like a half hour, and then you know quickly provide them like a gallon of water to try to <laughs> keep them to stop licking. But and then you never put two and two together. It's like, hmm. Where could I, else could I put this for the dog to lick the whole time? The shower wall is definitely the first place I would have thought of. I don't know what you were thinking of. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, all right. Well, uh, excuse me. I have to go get some peanut butter. I'll be back in half an hour. <laughs> like we've had enough fun for, for a week. So uh, I, uh, I will uh, talk to you again uh, next week. And just send me an email when you're ready and I'll snooze it until next week. So I know to be on time. Sounds good. I'll get that out to you now. <laughs> awesome. Oh, wait. Unread email count is still four. Okay. Not important. Moving on. Today we went to a goat farm, so that was fun. They used to raise goats. That sounds right up your alley. Yeah, it was great. All these goats, and everyone's like all timid and like afraid to touch the goats, and I'm sitting there like total hands-on. Like, what's up, goat? Oop. Solid. Well, sometimes it's not. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> that episode's going to have some interesting naming conventions. It's like nuts, nuts. Email is nuts. Hey, did you like my checksum in the uh, episode description this week? Uh, I did. I didn't catch that it was a, a checksum, but um, yeah, I I, I like the episode name. Oh yeah, we talked about that one last time. Is the checksum for for the file or what is it for? Just yeah, it's just for the file, the audio file. <laughs>